0: All right, it's part two of a four-part series where we're covering the SEC as we get ready for spring. Nicholas Ian Allen, look, let me point the right direction. Nicholas Ian Allen is my guest tonight. I'm going to see if I can keep him in line. We'll get to Texas, Missouri, South Carolina, Mississippi State, All, all of that right after the Stinger. Felix Sharp here, Uh, Nicholas Ian Allen there, the mastermind between the C2C Winning Edge product where you can get returning production, uh, uh, depth charts, a whole lot of information at campusdecanton.com. The returning production database is available now, and you can check that out at the website. Uh, Nick, this is the last time we record before the Super Bowl, Kansas City and San Francisco. Tell me who you got.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) most people would be able to answer that immediately and have a little bit of uh, conviction behind, but I pay so little attention to the NFL, unfortunately. Uh, Give me Kansas City. (laughs) I'm going to take
0: San Francisco and I'll tell you why. Uh, uh, I don't know that Kansas City's offensive line is going to be able to keep uh, the San Francisco defensive line off of Patrick Mahomes. And we know that Kansas City's you know wide receiver core in really the greatest. Kansas City's going to have to you know run the ball to keep up. I just think that San Francisco with Christian McCaffrey and you know and uh and and Trent Williams, they should be able to dominate the game offensively and they just have so much versatility on the offensive side of the ball. We saw in the NFC Championship game where Brock Purdy uh repeatedly got first downs on third and long when everything is covered and he just kind of took off and made the right play, got nine and 10 yards for a first down. I think we see that in this game. I think it'll be a, a little bit lower scoring, but time of po- possession and first downs are going to matter a lot. And I think that San Francisco will dominate, you know, both of those uh, categories. Look at that. Look at that NFL analysis here. I'm convinced. I'm I, I want to change my answer. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There we go. All right, we are trying to cover some of these conferences uh, before they get to spring practices and to spring games. This is part two of the SEC. Of course, there are 16 teams now in the SEC. We covered four teams last week. We'll cover four teams this week. uh, Texas, South Carolina, Missouri, and Mississippi State. Let's start with Texas. Uh, no head coaching change there. They do lose a little bit to the uh, to the NFL draft. Xavier Worthy, Jonathan Brooks, uh, JT Sanders, Adonijah Mitchell, all guys that are probably rostered in our leagues. They lose Malik Murphy to the transfer portal to Duke. Isaiah Nayor, who was a favorite of mine last year, before he, or two years ago, I should say, coming out of Wyoming. Big possession-wide receiver. I thought that he was potentially a breakout candidate. Uh, he transfers to Nebraska. Casey Kane, wide receiver, transfers to UNLV. You look at their transfers in, and Texas has been busy, very, very busy. They bring in Amari Nyblack from uh, Alabama. They bring in Isaiah Bond from Alabama. They bring in Silas Bolden from Oregon State. They bring in Matthew Golden from Houston. Uh, that's a pretty loaded, a pretty loaded uh, uh, transfer class. And then the freshman, you look at Ryan Wingo a wide receiver that a lot of people are excited about. Uh, Jarrett Gibson, a running back there who should provide some depth. Aaron Butler, another wide receiver, and Jordan Washington uh, make up the top of their fantasy-relevant freshman class. Uh, I think that, you know, as we look to the spring, Nick, my first question is who is going to fill in for J.T. Sanders considering uh, Quinn Ewers' strength. He has been, you know, that intermediate area in the middle of the field where JT Sanders kind of dominates, that has been his biggest strength. Can he, you know, reestablish a connection with whomever's going to be operating in that space in 2024? I think that's a big question for me, who's going to fill that spot? Uh, and we'll look forward to it as we go to the spring.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, that, that you know, on paper, uh, losing JT Sanders is – is, I think, you know, maybe just as, I don't know. I, I'm going to say something that that uh, probably would sound a little bit crazy, saying it's, it's just as big of a loss as, as Xavier Worthy or Adonai Mitchell. But the, you know, the guys that they've got coming in, that long list that you mentioned, not just, you know, talented young players who are ready to step up and, and maybe produce for the first time, whether they're true freshmen or, or guys that we got to see a little bit as true freshmen last year. Uh, But guys that we've seen produce at the FBS level, you know, uh, Silas Bolden had nearly 750 yards last year, five touchdowns. Isaiah Bond, uh, almost 700 yards, four touchdowns. Matthew Golden, a little bit limited by injury, only played nine games, but, uh, you know, outscored both of those guys as as far as getting into the end zone. And and, uh, is somebody that, you know, I know, campus to Canton as a whole has been very, very high on from the beginning and and think that he potentially, you know, might have the the ability to merge in in that group. But if you look at the tight end position itself, you know, not only was Jatavion Sanders a five-star recruit coming in, he's a guy who stepped in and emerged as one of the, you know, most talented and, and productive tight ends in college football, somebody that as I understand, is <laughs> pretty high on the, the list of uh, NFL draft uh, tight end prospects. Um, there's not, uh, you know, a wealth of uh, guys ready to step up and and step into that role. You know, Gunnar Helm has played a bit, uh, hasn't really produced much as a receiver. And, um, you know, Amari Nyblack is, is definitely, I think, uh, the the person that we can pencil in uh, as mm-hmm. Uh, next man up. But, um, you know, he's just a little bit less uh, of a proven commodity, has shown some big playability, has, uh, you know, had some some times where he has shined, but um, was never really the guy at the tight end position in Alabama either. So um, there's just less as far as, as, as proven players that uh, Texas, I think, is going to be just fine replacing those receivers, even as, as good as they are and as, as much as uh, they were able to produce last year and in previous years. Um, but Jatavion Sanders is, is going to be a big loss and somebody that you can check down to and, and move the sticks. You know, does a lot of the things that uh, maybe don't make the highlight reels or, or even fill up mm-hmm. the stat sheets, but um, is, is going to be tough to replace.
0: You know, uh, two things. One, we're getting old because I remember when JT Sanders was Jatavian Sanders coming in as a freshman, I remember that he could have played either side of the ball. So we were waiting to see, is he going to be a defensive lineman or uh, a tight end? And I also remember that one-handed catch that he had in high school that kind of sent the internet buzzing. We are getting old here uh, with some of these classes. The other thing is is that uh, this is the second time now that Texas has tried to tried you know the the Alabama undersized tight end transfer because we remember Jaleel Billingsley also transferred to go join Sark that didn't work out as well. Uh, Amari Nye Black still has you know a, a lot of growth in front of him. He's six foot four, two hundred and thirty three pounds. So um, uh, and, and you know for a tight end he was fine last year. Let's see if he can find his spot at Texas. Here's a question, Nick. Uh, not to be sensational. Actually, Bud Elliott posed this um, question at the end of the season last year. But do you think that there is a world in which Arch Manning could supplant Quinn Ewers this season?
1: Uh, I I think the chances are very, very low. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not uh, the biggest Quinn Ewers fan in the world. Uh, I, mean, I don't have happy. anything against him but uh, you know unless there is an injury I think that that it's pretty unlikely that Arch Manning is just going to be able to to beat him out for the job Quinn years just had I think too much of a head start and I'm I'm right. not convinced that Arch Manning is just somebody that is is just too good to keep on the sidelines not yet I haven't seen it yet me personally you guys pay a lot more I- attention to to recruiting as I do, or than I do, but um, I don't know. He just didn't necessarily jump out to me as that one-of-one one type player that you just cannot uh, keep on the sidelines, and, and Quinn Ewers is pretty good too.
0: Yeah, Quinn Ewers is you know somewhat of a game manager in college football, and college football coaches tend to like those guys because college football coaches, even offensive ones, are extremely conservative. I can tell you what I could see happening in 2024 is a Kyle McCord, Devin Brown situation where maybe they bring in uh, Arch Manning to do quarterback sweeps. Maybe they bring in him in in goal line packages so that they have plus numbers on the offensive line. I could see them having, um, or let's take it back even further when Chris Leak and Tim Tebow were playing uh, with each other at Florida and Tim Tebow was kind of, brought in for uh, for some goal line packages for certain rushing quarterback things. So I could see Arch Manning doing that just so that they get on the field. I tell you what, uh, they lose Jonathan Brooks, who was really the engine for that team in 2023. That's going to be a question is, you know, how does that running back room shake out? I think it's going to be a committee, and you can let me know what you think, but Cedric Baxter, obviously the highly tied, uh five-star running back in last year's class, the class previous, they had Jadon Blue, who skipped a senior year of high school, and it looked like he was in the doghouse somewhat uh, the last two seasons, but kind of came on just a little bit at the end of the year, had some splash plays. Savion Red returns. I think that this is going to be a running back by committee in 2024, and we're not going to see one guy you know, carry a majority of the load like we did in 2023 with Jonathan Brooks.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, you never like it to happen because of injury. But, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a benefit uh, at the end of the year without Brooks available. We got to see, you know, kind of how this thing might shake out a little bit. And we really did see blue emerge and, and I think uh, become a, a factor because at the beginning of the season, because let's. Not forget CJ Baxter actually was the first running back on the field in week one, got that week one start over Jonathan Brooks. Um, you would have thought that, you know, he, he absolutely would be in line to be that uh, next, you know, bell cow type uh, running back at, at Texas with Jonathan Brooks now moving on. But uh, Blue, I think, really made a case for himself, showed a lot of explosiveness uh, at the end of the year. And, and I think at least it's going to be a a, you know pretty solid one two punch with baxter and blue i'm not convinced that Savion red is really going to uh make it a true you know three man type committee um but i think that you know blue did enough at the end of the year and and baxter as talented as he is uh those two guys are are i think going to share the workload maybe relatively evenly with with Red getting, you know, a series here, a few carries there. Um, but I'm I'm not sure it's a full blown committee, but I do think it's, you know, not clear that there's one uh guy who's gonna get a, a real heavy workload.
0: And they do complement each other well. I mean Baxter's more straight line, blue is a little bit of more of a jitterbug and and pass catcher, even though I've seen him uh alligator arm some passes, including in the spring game uh last year. We are considering um, potential post-spring transfers, who could those guys be? Given the amount of wide receivers that they brought in in this class, I would watch for DeAndre Moore to potentially transfer after the spring if he does, if he's not happy with his placement on the depth chart, and I don't think that he will. DeAndre Moore, um, Los Alamitos, he went to a number of high schools, played at Los Alamitos with Malachi Nelson, played both sides of the ball, can play cornerback, can play wide receiver. He's playing – uh, wide receiver at Texas but he's one of these after the catch guys He's really solid uh after the catch a player that I liked coming into this into that freshman class uh last year even though again a year 1 0 so I would watch for Deandre Moore potentially uh transferring and of course speaking of freshman wide freshman wide receivers in the 2024 class let's see how Ryan Wingo uh develops headed into 2024, headed headed into the spring. I should mention, you know, Matthew's not here. Matt Bruning is not here. He's way better versed in the freshman class than I am. Um, So we will save the freshman analysis for when Matt comes back. I want to switch here to South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina, for my money, Nick, I think South Carolina is one of the more exciting teams to watch in 2024. Similar to, now I'm not saying they're going to have the success, but similar to how I wanted to watch Washington in 2023, I feel the same way about South Carolina in 2020 in 2024. When I look at the schedule and if they're at that 12 noon slot or that 3.30 slot, I'm probably going to have at least one of my televisions on South Carolina. Because let's just say it, uh, Lenora Sellers is potentially the next Anthony Richardson. He has that type of playing style. He's more developed as a passer uh, than Anthony Richardson was in his second year. He's got the glasses under his helmet. I mean, from the athleticism, from the maturity. Uh, Nick, I mean, we're kind of dialed in here. I mean, are you as excited or have you has that kind of rubbed off on you, our excitement for Lenora Sellers watching him uh, this next year?
1: Yeah, I think it has. I mean, seeing how – excited that you know uh, you and and uh, Chris moxley and, and other folks that pay a lot more attention to these younger players than I do and and you know I got to see glimpses we saw Lenore Sanders uh, in the spring last year uh, you know really have some moments and and uh, when he had an opportunity limited as they were uh, last season in, in the fall uh, really was impressive. I mean, you know, the guy was responsible for, uh, three touchdowns and basically touched the ball, uh, what nine times he had five carries and, and four pass attempts and, and scored three touchdowns or, you know, tossed two and scored one. Uh, so that in itself is, is, uh, exciting. You know, it gives you a little bit of a taste of, of maybe, uh, the potential that is there, but knowing how, Uh, excited you guys have been about his uh, a rival in college football, and and really following it, and and also you know we're we're already starting to get, uh, especially today being national signing day, and and an opportunity for press conferences with head coaches that we haven't had in a little bit, um, and other you know in depth interviews. I know on three the the South Carolina site uh, at on three had one with the uh, coach Beamer that that said that Lenora Sanders will get the first snap in spring yeah. practice, and you know if you take that first snap and don't do anything to uh, uh, allow somebody else to to move ahead of you, that's a good spot to be in in, in spring practice. So I'm um, excited for that, the opportunity that he'll have this spring and and to see if he's able to capitalize on that and, and expand on the little bit of a taste that we got last spring and last fall uh, that he could develop into not only a starter, but a, a really productive player and and maybe one of the most exciting players in the SEC. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I have like, 12 games on at once anyway, but uh, pretty sure South Carolina will be uh, one of them uh, far more often than not.
0: And we'll talk a little bit here in a second about the guys that he's competing with. I do want to note um, Dow Loggins is the offensive coordinator there from 2008 to 2013. He was with the Tennessee Titans during the same time that Vince Young was with the Tennessee Titans and um, Lenore Sellers game. Very, very similar to Vince Young's game. I'm not calling him Vince Young, but very, very similar in play style. They lose uh, uh, Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett to the NFL Draft. They lose Antoine Wells to Old Miss, who transfers out. It's really, really sad to see. Speaking of the guys that are tr- are uh, competing with Lenora Sellers for the starting job, they bring in Davis Belleville for, from Oklahoma and Robbie Ashford from Auburn. I mean, Robbie Ashford... he's one of these dual threat quarterbacks too. I think Robbie Ashford can actually switch to wide receiver if he wanted to. They bring in a ton of wide receivers given that they lost uh, Wells and Leggett. Amari Huggins-Bruce, who for my money is a little little bit similar to Tutu Atwell, coming from the same school. Gage Larvadan from Miami of Ohio. Sorry, Coach Martin, lose your best wide receiver. Jared Brown from Coastal Carolina. Uh, Running backs Oscar Attaway from North Texas. Uh, Jarwan Harwell? From South Carolina State, and of course the name that everybody wants me to say is Raheem Rocket Sanders from Arkansas, uh, who is down, allegedly is down from 240 to 225 according to uh, South Carolina's website now. And they bring in Brady Hunt, the tight end from Brady Hunt, uh, uh, as a uh, a tight end there. Um, When I am, am looking at this roster headed into the spring, Nick, they lose four of their top five cat their pat four of their top five cat pass catchers and the fifth uh, uh, uh w- pass catcher with the most uh receptions was mario anderson so they really need to re- replace this wide receiver core
1: yeah for sure and and they have done some really good work in the transfer portal. Um I, I had to had to mention, I'm old enough to remember Robbie Ashford getting some uh baseball. I mean, well, yeah. no, I was gonna say that's, a, a that's certain awful. someone uh who who just also brought up the name Anthony Richardson in, in connection to Lenore Sanders did happen to mention uh that same name uh in connection to Robbie Ashford, at least once that that I remember. But but yeah, I mean, you know, Xavier Leggett is is somebody who uh, really exploded onto the scene last year Um, is going to be, you know, difficult to replace a Marion Brown, of course, and and, uh, even though similar to the. Running back situation at, at Texas, but maybe even more so because we didn't really see very much juice wells at all last year. You did get to give another opportunity to somebody who uh, will be stepping up into a bigger role. Will it be Nick Harbor? Uh, you know, Joshua Simon at tight end is is going to be able to uh, step into Trey Knox's spot somewhat seamlessly. He, he is back, I believe. Um, and then the names you mentioned coming in, I mean, Jared Brown did a lot of exciting things at Coastal Carolina. Uh, he actually, and and it was definitely injury impacted with uh Rocket Sanders, but uh, rushed for more yards than Rocket Sanders did last year. Um, in in sort of that, they used you know, him on a lot of jet role.
0: sweeps and stuff like that, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. But yeah. he's you know has a, a unique diverse skill set. Um, and and uh, be interesting to see how it translates as he's stepping up in, in competition. But he's a player that uh, I was always excited to watch at, at Coastal Carolina and the way that they used him. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he fits in as well. Uh, Uh, John Howell is, as you mentioned, uh, productive FCS running back at over 800 yards. So um, uh, there's, there's options certainly in that running back group. And and they wanted to add playmakers around Lenore Sellers, or, you know, also added some competition in that quarterback room, as you mentioned as well, uh, if it will in fact be Sellers, but um, definitely think that there are uh, more intriguing options for a variety of reasons at South Carolina this year, perhaps than uh, maybe you know expected. Because Rocket Sanders is somebody who you know from a CFF standpoint was a first round pick last year. Uh, leading up in, into the season, um, can he recapture some of that value uh, on Saturdays and then you know carry that over uh, to a professional career moving forward? Is is something you know, remains to be seen. But the fact that they supplemented that with Attaway, who's been productive, with Howell, who's been productive at the group of five and, and FCS levels, respectively, um, and then throwing in some really interesting uh, wide receiver options as well. Um, Yeah, it, it, not sure how it'll all shake out workout-wise, but – um There's, there's a lot of guys to get excited about for a variety of reasons, just to see how they fit into this system and, and if they're going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, become that, that productive uh, level of player that can help elevate the South Carolina
0: team. Uh, Nick Harbour who could have played defensive end. He's playing wide receiver for South Carolina. He's already in the record books as far as the 200 goes. He's running spring track right now. I think he ran a 20.86 in the 200, and that's top 10 all time at South Carolina if I've read that headline right. Um, They also add four-star wide receiver Mazio Bennett from Greenville, South Carolina. Nick, you ever been to Greenville?
1: driven through i I grew up in georgia and so
0: i've been through there haven't
1: spent much time
0: take your wife go to larkins and then take a walk in falls park this is pro advice pro advice here uh uh from 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 felix so um Okay, I think that that's all there really is to say at this point on uh, on South Carolina. Again, if there are some other freshmen that we should be paying attention to, I'm sure we'll have Matt. First of all, we have a lot of time to talk about it, and uh, I'll have Matt update us on on that when he's back. Mississippi State. Uh, You know, On the surface, it's a program that I'm excited about, but when I look at the roster, I'm not that excited. Of course, I'm excited because Jeff Levy is there, and Jeff Levy has been at at the head of some really exciting offenses and some exciting statistical producers. Um, But when I look at this roster, I don't see where it's going to come from in 2024. They lose mainly defensive players to the NFL draft. Jalen Green is safety, Jaden Crumdy. For a defensive tackle Nathaniel Watson, linebacker Jaden Wally, one-time Austin Navis, uh Austin Nace favorite. He's out to the transfer, or excuse me, to the NFL draft. Also, and of course, they lose Will Rogers, who's headed to Washington, and Xavier Thomas, a wide receiver and kick returner. He was the second-leading receiver last year. He is off to LSU. They bring in transfers: Kevin Coleman, formerly with Jackson State, with Deion Sanders last year with uh, Louisville. He's a quick twitch player who can return the ball. I've always really liked his skill set. I like these quick twitch players. Um, He could potentially be the leading wide receiver for this team in 2024. They bring in a four-star tight end from Buffalo and uh, in Cameron Ball. They also bring in his brother, Justin Ball, as a tight end. Both of these guys are 6'6". Cameron is like 235, and and, uh, Justin is about 255. So they're going to be on the field. But it looks like, their starting quarterback is going to be Blake Shapen from uh, from Baylor. I, at one one point, I was really relatively high on Blake Shapen, not because of his talent in itself, but because I really like Jeff Collins as an offensive coordinator, who's since been fired from the Baylor uh, offensive coordinator position. But we look at uh, Blake Shapin, his statistics last year: sixty one percent completion percentage, thirteen touchdowns, three interceptions. You know. I, I don't know if you believe in him or not, Nick, but he's going to have Jeff Levy, who's done some great things with uh, quarterbacks here in the very recent past.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm torn a little bit on Blake Shapen. I, I uh, when he first sort of wrestled the job away from uh, Gary Bohannon, Jerry to, Bohannon, you know, yeah, Jerry Bohannon, yeah, I, my <laughs> pronunciation uh, is, is uh, you know seemed seemed like a really. Uh, interesting quarterback, and in, and the way that that coaching staff talked about him at Baylor. Um, you know, the fact that they really kind of pushed Bohannon out the door a little bit, who had won a fair amount of uh, football games for him, let him, you know, into uh, the Big 12 championship game, and and yeah. uh, shaping, you know, by the next spring, it was pretty much a done deal that he was going to be the starter. And so, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion usually, and then that situation is somewhat rare, but when it pops up that, you know, these coaching staffs know these players a lot better than we do see them day to day and, and understand uh, how the locker room sees them as well. So, you know, I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt and, and thought, okay, well, you know, there's obviously a reason to think that Shapin is better than Bohannon. So uh, the coaching staff sees this as an upgrade. So maybe, maybe it is. And, and, you know, there were times where, uh, he played well and, and was productive there were other times where he didn't and and also you know dealt with some injury uh, during his time at Baylor so I don't know i'm i'm uh, it's not that I was ever blown away with him as a player, as a quarterback. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, Jeff Labby has a a track record of success, and this could be a spot where, um, you know, maybe it, it just matches up and and shaping is a a good fit for what Jeff Labby wants to do in year one at Mississippi state. Uh, I I'm with you on the, you know, roster building standpoint to where, I mean, is there really enough around him to to get excited about this offense? I mean, they lose Tulu Griffin, uh, who who was a good receiver, even better returner. Um, a couple of their other you know top guys transferred out, Zayn Thomas most notably, but uh, you know Jaquavius Marks was really a dependable running back, and and even you know more so throughout the the uh, length of his career, at Mississippi State proved to be. Uh, a capable pass catcher and and uh, somebody that was sort of a security blanket at times for for Will Rogers, but um, you know Kelly Akari, the the transfer from UTEP, I'm. Uh, not necessarily sold on him either. I mean, the final numbers look good, and he had some huge games, but was really inconsistent. And and as I talked about with Jared Pongren and and uh, chasing the Natty a couple of weeks ago, I'm maybe more shy than usual about uh, transfer receivers, especially if they're moving up in in competition. Uh, I have seen some things I liked about Kevin Coleman, but you know, he's a similar case uh, in some ways as well. now on his third school in three years, and, and can I really uh, trust that? But then again, I'm torn because, you know, Jeff Levy's done some good things for wide receivers and Coleman, I do, uh, believe is, is, uh, maybe right now the most talented guy in that wide receiver room. So it would, you know, stand to, to reason that, uh, if, uh, Chapin is, is in a good spot and he's going to have to, throw the football and, and, you know, there's gotta be some production uh, somewhere and Kevin Coleman's probably in a pretty good position to uh, maybe be the, the top guy. I'm not sure. So I, I'm, I don't know what to think yet at this early stage on Mississippi state, there are more moving parts than I am comfortable diagnosing fully right now. And, and this year in particular, at least at this stage in the the early uh, off season and, and preseason, uh, I'm more hesitant to to dive into situations where there's new head coach, new play caller, new quarterback, new top targets. Um, so I think for Mississippi State, for me, uh, they're they're just a situation that I'm I'm really going to have to wait and see how things shake out in the spring, in the you know early fall. Uh, I think to even wrap my head around what to expect from this team offensively.
0: I'm sure that they've added some walk-ons, but as far as the website goes, they only have two scholarship quarterbacks: uh, Blake Shapen, obviously the transfer from Baylor, and then Michael Van Buren, a freshman uh, quarterback, is there, and that's that. That's it. That's it. Um, all of that being said, I think we want to have or identify. Jeff Levy's leading receiver. And you look at his track record. Uh, During his time at Baylor, Terrence Williams and Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman was a first-round draft pick uh, out of Baylor. During his time at UCF, Gabe Davis had some of his best production and obviously a draft pick for the uh, Buffalo Bills. Elijah Moore at Old Miss. And then Jonathan Mingo uh, at Old Miss. So Jeff Levy's offenses can put up a lot of points. Excuse me. He was also at at Baylor during Robert Griffin III's time. So, um this is a guy who can, you know, who who can really dial up offenses. I just don't know that he has the talent. They do add two four-star wide receivers, uh Mario Craver out of Pinson, Alabama, shout out to the Cougars, and uh four-star JJ Harrell out of Sardis, Mississippi. So, um you know, if there's not a lot of depth behind Kevin Coleman there, could one of these two freshmen step up that's something that we should pay attention to uh going into the spring. Think about Uh, Kevin Concepcion last year, you know, not a player that we were touting very highly at all. Then you get to the spring and you hear, uh, well, one, he started in the spring, and two, they couldn't stop talking about uh, how well he did in spring camp. There's an opportunity for a situation like that at Mississippi State that we should pay attention to. Uh, uh, So just watch out for those two names. All right, Missouri here. Uh, Missouri coming off one of its best seasons in recent past. Even though that Cotton Bowl game, was was awful, was absolutely awful uh, between Ohio State and Missouri. They keep Eli Drinkowitz and Kirby Moore, uh, both who had the offense, uh, new new defensive coordinate, co- coordinator Corey Batoon coming over from South Alabama. They lose co- uh, Cody Schrader to the NFL draft and a lot of defensive players. Transferring out are two quarterbacks, Jake Garcia, that Jake Garcia who used to was one-time USC commit, ended up at Miami, got beat up by Tyler Van Dyke, now at Missouri, now at ECU. Uh, Jabari Johnson at or- is, has transferred to Oregon State. They bring in uh, the running back position, Nate Noel from App State and Marcus Carroll from Georgia State. Marcus Carroll, by the way, last year averaged over 21 points per game uh, in, in fantasy, but they keep uh, a lot. They are 16th in the country in returning production, and they keep their top three pass catchers in Luther Burden, Mookie Cooper, and Theo Weese. Uh, Nick, I mean, this is a team that's they they could be lining up another successful season in 2024.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Missouri, you know, had modest expectations last year, and and to finish with 11 wins is is uh, remarkable. Yeah, you know, there were times early in the season when Eli Drinkowitz uh, kind of had to chastise the, the uh, student section uh, for how they were treating Brady cook, you know, and he ends up putting together a season, 3,300 yards, 21 touchdowns, nine pass or excuse me, nine uh, passing yards per attempt. Uh, just a solid, solid season all around, you know, can run a little bit, eight touchdowns on the ground uh, and, and really developed into uh one of the better quarterbacks, at least one of the most uh, experienced and, and proven uh, in the SEC entering this season. So uh, really, I think something to build around Missouri uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of, of this time last year. I remember thinking, you know, this this offseason, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about or, or thinking about Duke football uh, because they were a team that really surprised me entering, uh, you know, the 2022 season had a, a a really intriguing quarterback that was sort of off my radar coming into the year and in, in Riley Leonard um, and brought back a lot of, you know, production from that team, ranked right, Pretty high in returning production in our numbers uh, this time last year. Um, and, you know, things didn't necessarily work out the way I thought when, when Riley Leonard went down with injury, but, you know, there are some similarities I think for Missouri, you know, Brady cook is, is coming back. Now we're going to be thinking, is he, is he truly one of the better quarterbacks in the sec or was he just put in a position to succeed in a, you know, Eli Drinkwitz offense. And and I know Drinkwitz is no longer the play caller there, but has been, uh, you know, has a, a track record of success, um, and is inheriting or, or, excuse me, is, is bringing back a lot of, Uh, key pieces of that offense, including, you know, something that Duke didn't have one of the most talented wide receivers in the country and Luther burden. Uh, But wait, there's more, you know, like you said, the, the top three uh, pass catchers from last year's uh, team, Uh, you know, top uh, you know they bring back Marquise Johnson as well, who, who got a little bit of uh, playing time. Brett Norfleet, tight end, somebody that that I'm excited about um, seeing what he's going to be able to develop into. So uh, this Missouri team, and it's not just on offense. You know they they lost more as far as their uh, players from the 2023 roster on the defense, as you mentioned, but they did a really good job in the transfer portal, adding, uh, you know, their, their top 25 and added defensive production. So it's not like we're going to see, I don't think a major drop-off, uh, on that side of the football either. So, uh, to go in and bring two of the better group of five running backs in the country, feel like they filled that hole, you know, left by Cody Schrader, uh, pretty well. This is just a solid, solid team all around that is entering with, with much, much higher expectations in 2023, um, but I think it's hard to poke holes in, in, uh, in Missouri right now. I mean, are they, uh, you know, player for player as quote unquote talented as, as Georgia or, or Alabama? No, probably not. But, um, there's a lot to like about this roster and the way it's constructed and, and what they bring back, um, that, that, yeah, again, I'm going to be thinking a lot about Missouri football in, in 2024.
0: Well, they also bring in an excellent freshman class. I think it's 20 or around 20 in the country, but two players who could have an impact. Uh, Williams Nawarni, who was a five-star defensive end. And, you know, sometimes these defensive ends, even the highly rated ones are like 225 pounds. This dude is, is 6'5", 260 pounds. Could he have an impact like uh, Reuben Bain for Miami last season? Maybe. I would watch out for him. And there is a four-star borderline five-star wide receiver in Courtney Crutchfield from Arkansas that has a 24 seven comp of CD lamb. So I would also watch out for him. Another guys at, uh, at the official have been talking about Kiwan Lacey, the running back, the freshman running back there, well-rounded athletic pr- profile uh, at the website, by the way, you can look up all of these players that we're talking about uh, at the Campus to Can Athletic Profile Database, um, but he's behind two players, but still a player that um, that I'm going to pay attention to headed into spring. The running back there, Quan Lacey. So, um, all right, that's uh, that's it. That's the four for uh, this week that we're covering. Next week, I know we're covering Alabama. Could we cover Oklahoma, um, Tennessee? Maybe uh, tune in for that. And if you haven't already, like the video. We always appreciate you liking the video and subscribe to the channel. Nick, I appreciate you filling in tonight.
1: Happy to have me. right. happy to help. Thanks. (laughs) Happy happy to have me, too. Peace, everybody. Yeah, well.